0: Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Hey, everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director, and welcome to the CNN political briefing. The number of third party candidates running for president continues to grow.
1: Something is stirring in us that says it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why I'm here today. I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate.
0: A couple of weeks ago, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. dropped out of the Democratic presidential primary and now says he's running as an independent. This comes after progressive activist Cornell West made a similar move earlier this month.
1: Both parties stand in the way of the empowerment of poor and working people. Both parties tied Wall Street, militarism, Pentagon tied to
0: Silicon Valley. At the same time, a centrist nonprofit group called No Labels says it may also nominate an independent candidate. The group says its mission is to give Americans a, quote, insurance policy in the event both major parties put forth presidential candidates that the vast majority of Americans don't support. No Label's officials say they plan to raise $70 million for a potential candidate. As the race for president grows more crowded, strategists say third party candidacies could play a bigger role in the 2024 election. Matt Bennett is the Executive Vice President for Public Affairs at Third Way, a center-left think tank. He's also worked on the campaign trail on both of former President Bill Clinton's campaigns in 1992 and 1996. He's spoken out against No Labels and their efforts in 2024, and he joins me now to share why. So you run an organization, it seems to me, and I've covered the work of Third Way for quite some time in my career, but its main mission right now seems to be putting a stake in the heart of No Labels. <laughs> and I just want to get a sense from you, how did that come to be? When did it become sort of your top priority to really try and stop any uh, momentum or forward movement for this effort for a bipartisan third party ticket.
1: Yeah, it's not a fight that we sought or one that we relish at all. I mean, No Labels is an organization we actually helped get going and its founder, Nancy Jacobson, helped us when we were first starting out. So we were friends. We didn't always agree on everything, but we were aligned on a lot of things. And I thought the work that they did do and, and do in Congress to try to foster bipartisan relationships is important and good. But we became very alarmed when back last September, September of last year, David Brooks had a column describing this third party bid that No Labels was gonna try to undertake, said that they were gonna try to raise $70 million. And we seemed to be alone in that alarm for a while, but we immediately recognized the danger of a group in the center attacking Joe Biden as insufficiently moderate and anybody running as a third party in what we thought was certain to be a rematch between Joe Biden and Donald Trump because we saw what a third party, what third parties did in 2016 to Hillary Clinton. Their absence in 2020 helped Joe Biden. And we were certain that this kind of thing was had no hope of actually succeeding, but it did pose a very serious risk of being a spoiler and helping Trump win. Do you believe That Nancy Jacobson's mission is to elect Donald Trump president? No. I think that the people who say that of her are wrong. She has been very clear, and by her I mean no labels generally, that they do not want to elect Trump president, and I take them at their word. However, what is hard to reconcile is the things that they have been doing and saying have been judged by basically everyone in politics to have looked at this carefully to be something that would really help Trump win. So while I don't question her motives, I absolutely question what they are doing, their actions, because if they continue with this and they say they will not continue if they look like they're going to be a spoiler, but so far they are not recognizing all of the evidence right in front of them about that. But if they do continue, that's what's going to happen. And when you say a spoiler, you
0: mean a spoiler for Joe Biden that would
1: spoil Joe Biden's chances of being reelected. Exactly right. The, the, the only impact that a third party candidate is likely to have in a Trump versus Biden rematch is hurting Joe Biden because Trump's base is very solid. His floor is very hard. Very few people are going to leave Trump for somebody else. Uh, but his ceiling is pretty low. He, he can't get near or above 50 percent. So he needs help from a third party. And if they give him that help in a close election, it's very likely that he'll win. We wanted to make sure you also heard
0: from No Labels. Ryan Clancy is the chief strategist for No Labels, and he appeared on CNN back over the summer. My colleague Dana Bash asked him specifically about this charge of running a spoiler effort. So we're already on the record. We will never fuel a spoiler candidacy. I think when people think about a spoiler, we got to agree what we mean by it. To me, it is a candidate that can't win. And two, it's a candidate that whatever votes they get
1: are coming from one side disproportionately. So Ralph Nader, spoiler. Jill Stein, spoiler. Cornel West, if he goes all the way, that's a spoiler. Ross Perot? Uh, No, he took votes evenly from both sides. Uh, There was a huge exit poll after that election, and they asked Perot
0: voters if there hadn't been... Pro in the race, who would they have voted for? 38 said Bush, 38 Clinton, 24 said they wouldn't have voted at all. So I just want to be clear. What you are saying is that if you can somehow determine, which is going to be pretty hard to determine before the votes are taken. But if you can somehow make a, a determination that if you run a third party ticket, that it will take more votes from Joe Biden then Donald Trump, if he is the nominee, you won't do it. Yeah, we do not want to fuel any kind of candidacy that is pulling votes disproportionately from one side. Absolutely not. You, your organization, your funders of the organization are more interested in working to ensure Donald Trump is not president or you're very pro-Joe Biden and
1: believe Joe Biden should be reelected? It's hard to disentangle those things because we feel both of them very fervently. We are very much Joe Biden Democrats. We think that he's been an excellent president and we really want to see him reelected. But I will confess to you that the thing that keeps me up at night is not Joe Biden failing to be reelected, it's Donald Trump returning to power. There is nothing more urgent in our world, in our work than stopping that. And it's the reason you and I talked about this at the time, in the primaries in 2020 that we worked so hard against Bernie Sanders because we thought that would keep Donald Trump in office if Sanders were the nominee of the Democratic Party. We feel the same way now about this third party bid. Now, this week you put out a new memo because
0: you believe you noticed a shift in strategy of no labels. There was a slide deck presentation and one of the slides in the presentation seem to suggest that no labels believes that if a Republican is at the top of the ticket of this bipartisan ticket, with a Republican at top and a Democrat running as the vice presidential nominee, that they in the critical battleground states could be uh, successful in thwarting the ability for one of the candidates to not to not win those electoral votes. Right. Which is different than you say they started out in the spring. And I know you don't speak for no labels, obviously here, but I, but y- your, your mission at the top of this year was sort of like, they think they can get to 270. You think they've abandoned that altogether.
1: No, they say they haven't. And they claim that we are wild eyed conspiracy theorists, but I'll tell you everything that memo came right out of their mouths or off of their website. Uh This all started when their chief strategist, Ryan Clancy, went on television and made clear that one outcome of their running a third party candidate could be what is called a contingent election, which is to say no one wins 270 electoral votes outright. And that would mean that the no labels candidate had won probably a couple of states so that neither Trump nor Biden had 270. In that scenario, the way that Clancy laid it out, they would try to use to leverage their power, which is to say the handful of states they win, one or two, that would allow them to ask their electors to throw their support to one candidate or the other after they get some sort of guarantee from that candidate that they're going to govern in a particular way. All of that is a bizarre idea about how this system works, but that is clearly one of the things they had in mind. What we saw in the chart was they were finally acknowledging that this map that they put out in the spring showing their alleged path to 270 electoral votes was, as we've been saying all along, a preposterous fantasy. Because if you can't win as a third-party candidate the the close states, the battleground states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, then you surely can't win places that Joe Biden won by 30 points. I mean, they said they were going to win Delaware. Joe Biden's (laughs) home state of Delaware. So the map was laughable and every analyst to have looked at it agreed that it was laughable. What they are now saying is, well, okay, but we could maybe win a couple of states and then use our leverage to get what we want. And that is a profoundly dangerous idea.
0: Now, of course, if no candidate were to get 270 electoral votes, that's an election that would be thrown to the House of Representatives. So it's not as if No labels necessarily comes away the victor there, given, I mean, we don't know how the House elections will go, but right now, Republicans
1: have an advantage in state delegations in the House. Right. So as you say, under the 12th Amendment, if it goes to the House with neither candidate having 270, the House votes by delegation, meaning Idaho gets one vote, California gets one vote. Right now, Republicans control 26 state delegations to Democrats 22, and a few of them are tied. Even in the, in the best case scenario for Democrats in the House, if we take back the majority, if we do extremely well, there's no path by which we get to a majority of House delegations. Absolutely none. If I showed you one, you would laugh at me because it would require winning in places we can't win. So they're going to control the delegation vote. What no labels, I think, is thinking, and I don't speak for them, to be sure, is before it goes to the House— they could use what are called faithless electors. In about a third of the states, the electors that vote in the Electoral College do not technically have to vote for the candidate that wins the popular vote of that state. And so if they win, let's, I, I don't know if Wisconsin's one of those. So let's pretend. If they win Wisconsin and they neither side has 270, they go to both candidates and say, sign this pledge about, I don't know, deficit reduction. And then they tell those electors, all right, now you are Biden electors or you are Trump electors. I don't think that can hold up in court. I don't think that works. But I think that's their theory of the case, because they know, of course, that once it goes to the House, the Republicans will vote for Trump. So it's in that interim that they think they can have some leverage.
0: Now, they have gotten access on the ballot in 12 states, I believe, as of today. That's right. We're talking. You know, some states are not battleground states, but but some states like Arizona is very much a, a battleground state. I asked this to you, understanding your opposition to this, but do you get the hunger for something like this in the country? I mean, there we see time and again that a Biden-Trump matchup is something that the American people are not all that interested in. It does not feel like an election the country is yearning for. We see, I think Gallup most recently found 49% of Americans identify as politically independent, a high water mark when they ask that question over time. There's this yearning for something different than what the traditional two-party system has been given by at least a, a swath of the American
1: electorate. Do you have an answer for those voters that fall into the category I'm talking about? Well, first of all, of course, I see that. And, and it's clear that People are not particularly enthusiastic about a rematch. I will say, though, that the numbers of people who claim they don't want either of these candidates is relatively in line with historical average. Even in 2012, when they were looking at a Romney Obama race, voters were saying at this stage in the race, "Eh, I could use a third uh, option. Americans tend to be cranky. And they don't like politicians and they don't like either of these guys. And, they, and, and sure, a lot of people would like a third option. However, that doesn't mean they would exercise that option. The vast, vast majority of them will not. So there is absolutely no way that No Labels is going to win the election. As we just discussed, there's no path for them to do that. Even if there's this alleged hunger out there for, for another option, people aren't going to take it because they know that they're throwing their vote away. So the problem with the whole theory is that no labels keep saying over and over, well, this is an insurance policy or or we're providing people with a choice. But what they're providing instead is an illusion of the choice. If their candidate has no hope of winning, that's not a real choice. That is uh, something else. And what they're enticing people to do is throw their vote away in ways that will benefit Donald Trump. We're going to take a quick break,
0: Matt. It is much more than just no labels that could enter into the calculus of this 2024 presidential election. We'll have much more with you in just a moment. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life, I sit down with Giles Yeo. It is a problem of our brain influencing the hunger. So hunger is a brain scenario, even though the feeling of hunger comes from your stomach. It's a very new and provocative way of thinking about a condition that impacts more than 40% of Americans. But the thing is, this approach could have big consequences for the way that we treat obesity. Listen to Chasing Life, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're here with Matt Bennett, Executive Vice President for Public Affairs at Third Way, a center-left think tank based here in Washington. So in addition to no labels, we are seeing some other independent candidacies emerge here. Cornell West uh, just moved from being the Green Party candidate to uh, an independent candidate. We've seen Robert F. Kennedy Jr. leave the Democratic primary to become an independent candidate in his attempt to defeat Joe Biden from a second term. And even within the Democratic Party, not an independent candidacy, but now Dean Phillips, the congressman from Minnesota, seems to be wanting to step into the void here and make it official in New Hampshire that he is going to enter the Democratic primary against Joe Biden. What Here you have a Kennedy, you have Cornel West, one of the most progressive public figures out there, and you have a Democratic member of Congress from Minnesota all trying to get into this contest in some way. Why do you think that is? And what do you think they're offering? And do they pose a threat for a potential second Trump term
1: in your mind? They absolutely do. And I think it's very dangerous, but they're very, very different. Uh, So if you just unpack each of them, uh, Dr. West is not a Democrat. He is far to the left of anyone in the Democratic Party, as I think he himself would stipulate, which is why he had no interest in running as a Democrat in the primary. And his critique of the Biden administration comes from the far left. I understand it. I certainly don't share it, but I understand it. His challenge, of course, will be to get on the ballot because, as you noted, he left the Green Party, which has ballot access, chose to go it alone. And that's not easy. He needs money and organization to get the signatures needed in each state to get on the ballot. He may be able to do that in some states. And and our worry is that he will choose to focus on the seven swing states where he could actually damage Biden rather than on places like, I don't know, Massachusetts, where if you were on the ballot, wouldn't matter. Biden's going to win anyway. Robert Kennedy is very different. Uh, He is somebody that was a Democrat and no longer is. His uh, political ideology is, let's just say, hard to pin down. He has appeared with MAGA figures like Michael Flynn and Roger Stone. He is deeply anti-vax. He's a conspiracy theorist and a crank. Uh, When he entered the race, his siblings put out a statement basically saying they, they were sick about the fact that he was joining the race. So he's an iconoclast, if you will. And it's not clear to me what his constituency is. But Our view, even, and there's been some polling suggests that he would hurt Trump more than Biden, but our view is that's impossible to know because the numbers are tiny. The places where that matters are are few. So it's really what happens in Maricopa County, Arizona, what happens in Milwaukee that matters much more than his impact in, you know, Laguna Beach, California, which is irrelevant. So... It's unknowable what the impact would be, but our fear is that anything that divides the anti-Trump coalition is bad, and both of those guys might if they appear on ballots. Dean Phillips is another story entirely. He said publicly some time ago that he thought that Biden shouldn't run again, and then a whole bunch of rich people told him that he should run for president, and he believed them. Uh, They were wrong, uh, and he was soon to find out that they were very wrong. A primary challenge against an incumbent president is entirely different than an open primary where there's just a competition to see who should be the nominee. This uh, has been shown time and again in both parties to hurt the incumbent president. The challenger never wins. Ted Kennedy never won, didn't win. Pat Buchanan didn't win, but they definitely hurt the incumbent. So our hope is that Phillips never gains any of the traction that either Buchanan or Kennedy gains. Our expectation is that'll be the case. But it's very disappointing that he's throwing away a very good career in Congress to do something very, very bad. Yeah, I don't know anyone
0: uh, in Democratic politics that doesn't believe that Kennedy run damaged Carter significantly and was a key contributing factor for him being a one-term president. And the same is true, as you noted, with Pat Buchanan against George H.W. Bush. Uh, Obviously, Ross Perot played into that in a much uh, bigger way come the general election in 92. But but already having taken on some damage because of Buchanan, you talk to Republicans, they think that certainly was a contributing factor. So I guess my question to you, Matt, is what are your metrics of success here to end this threat that you believe no labels represents to the
1: 24 election for you? We have only one, and that is, do they stand down? To their great credit, no labels has said many times that if it looks like they cannot win or they cannot achieve their goals. And as you noted earlier, those goals may have shifted a little. But if they can't get to where they want to go, they will not run a candidate. They do not want to be a spoiler. And we're, we're very grateful to them for saying that. Our goal is to get them to see that that is exactly what would happen. So. They have decided that they're going to have a, a nominating convention in April, mid-April in Dallas. They're going to run a poll apparently in March, and they're going to make a go/no-go decision then. That'll be pretty much the last time they can have that kind of power to decide, because once they nominate a candidate, then that candidate is in charge. It's then it's the you know uh, John Smith for president campaign, and no labels. The organization doesn't have the power to stop it. So our goal is to convince people like uh, Nancy Jacobson and Joe Lieberman, the chair of No Labels, that this would be a devastatingly bad idea that could lead to uh, an enormous threat to our republic uh, in the reelection of Trump and that they should not go forward. And obviously you do that in a public
0: way, like you're sitting here talking with me. but. Take us through your efforts behind the scenes. I mean, you've worked in Democratic politics your whole career. I think I first met you when you were on the West Clark campaign back in 2003, 2004. But, you know, somebody like Joe Lieberman, I mean, he would have been the poster boy of Third Way at a, at a certain point in the American uh, political environment. I, what are your behind the scenes efforts, either with their donors or relationships? And are you hearing Uh, Any success in them giving your point of view a real hearing or do they sort of shut it down and don't want to hear it?
1: Well, I think it varies. Uh, The No Labels team, the media team around uh, Nancy and and Joe Lieberman himself so far have rejected uh, our analysis. Uh, Lieberman had an op-ed in The Wall Street Journal quite recently basically saying we were wrong about all of this. So I don't think we're breaking through with them. We have had some success with some of their donors. Now, keep in mind, they're a 501c4, and they don't disclose who their donors are. So it's been reported that Harlan Crowe, great and good friend of Justice Thomas, uh, is one of their donors, along with a few others that we know of. But for the most part, their donors are secret, so we can't go to them directly. The case that we've been making publicly has broken through, and I think no labels is to some extent on the defensive about the spoiler charge, and we know anecdotally that some of the people that had been their donors have backed away because they worry about that. But the other people that we're trying to talk to, uh, both publicly and and indirectly, are the people that might be candidates, uh, people that might appear on their ticket. Now they've said recently that they're gonna have a Republican at the top of the ticket. So we've kind of narrowed our focus to potential Republican nominees uh, that they could go for. And our message to them is very simple you are a successful political leader. Most of them were two-term governors or other you know, very senior political leaders. Do not end this successful political career as Jill Stein 2.0. Do not enter this race where you're gonna end up at best with 10% of the vote, but probably a lot less, and, and help elect Donald Trump and become a pariah Don't do that. That would be bad for you, leaving aside the impact on the country. And that's our message. And we're going to try to deliver it in every possible way we can. Matt Bennett, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for this week's edition of the CNN Political Briefing. We'll be back next Friday, November 3rd, with a new episode. And we want to hear from you. Is there a question you would like answered about this election cycle? Is there a guest you really want to hear from? Give us a call at 301-842-8338 or send us an email at cnnpoliticalbriefing at gmail.com. And you might just be featured in a future episode of the podcast. So don't forget to tell us your name, where you're from, how we can reach you, and if you give us permission to use the recording on the podcast. CNN Political Briefing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Grace Walker. Our senior producer is Haley Thomas. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer, and Dan DeZula is our technical director. Steve Lichtai is executive
1: producer of CNN Audio. Thanks so much for listening.